Welcome to the Cabin Cast. Your getaway primer. Hello. Hi, Eric. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. It's a little more peaceful in the Northwoods tonight than it was last night. So far, so far. So last night we had kind of a crazy, I wouldn't say freak storm, but a really powerful storm blow up. Suddenly. Uh, yeah, really suddenly. suddenly. So there was a 30% chance of rain, which of course meant we got a bunch of rain <laughs> with 60 mile an hour winds that yeah. blew through the whole northern part of Wisconsin from, I mean, way over by Hayward all the way to Green Bay. Yeah, the kind where I thought, you know what, the dog's going to want to sleep with us tonight. And I waited for kids to show up, but they, they've gotten a little bigger. They don't do that anymore. But. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I went to bed early for once and w- walked out to get a glass of water at night. And my wife was awake and she was sitting on the couch and I'm like, what are you doing? All of a sudden there's lightning booming and she's like, oh, it's been crazy. And I look outside and the wind is whipping and the power was flickering and sure enough, the power went out and it's, it's still out about ooh, pushing 20 hours later. So we've been doing a little bit of scrambling to keep, uh, keep all our food good. So yeah. we packed everything in. There was a ice shortage in Eagle river. So they're running around town trying to get bags of ice. And most of the gas stations were sold out and I got a couple bags and hopefully yeah, the power came back on for half an hour. Midway through the day we celebrated and luckily didn't move stuff from the coolers back into the fridge. Cause it went out right away again. So, cause do you have a generator at all? We don't, we have a generator at our store at roughing it in style, but, um, and that was, really important. The first summer we opened, we were, we had probably three busy Saturdays in one month when we first opened where the power went out from just random summer wind. And we ran out and got a generator there, but at our new place, we haven't yet, but I'm going to be definitely in the marketplace. It's impossible to find them on these particular, like when events like these happen, like if I drove to, you know, the closest Menards or Home Depot, they're usually sold out of those little generators immediately, but it is one of the top things on my shopping list now, at least something big enough just to run our refrigerator and freezer. Cause all, I mean, all the, my hunting, all the meat, everything yeah. is, is pretty precious. Right. It's uh, it's an investment that you want to protect. And yeah, we have a generator that we just replaced um, because it was about 20 years old and it was starting to not kick on. And the first generator we had ran everything except the, oven, the washer, dryer, all those things, but the fridge would stay on the lights, the plumbing, the new one now runs everything. So oh, that's, that's nice. great. But we did choose not to put the guest house on it. Yeah. So everybody can just come over to the main house if they need to, rather than have two generators oh, or, and there's no fridge. I kind of picture you guys just leaving your guests in the dark. And right. Like, Sorry, we just didn't hook it up. And that's, that's the lot. And that's your life right now. Well, actually my big kids live over my college kids. That's where their bedrooms are. Oh, really? Is awesome. in the, in the guest house. And, um, so it's almost like them having their own little apartments. Yeah. You know, there's only a drink fridge. When we built the guest house, I actually on purpose did not put a kitchen over there. Oh, so there's like a, a wet bar. Yep. So there's a drink fridge that we have water and everything in it, but I wanted meals to be in the main house. I wanted everybody to have to come together and gather. The great pyramid of Giza, Colossus of Rhodes, the hanging gardens of Babylon and roughing it in style. All of these equal in history and magnitude, but only one you can visit now. 
You see, roughing it in style may not be ancient, but it's the only wonder that will bring wonder to your world. Roughing It in Style is your source for interior design, furniture, reclaimed cabinets, and decor. They have two stores, one out west in Fort Collins, Colorado, and one up north in Harshaw, Wisconsin, 10 miles south of Manaqua. Plan your visit today and find out more at roughingitinstyle.com. What was that? The pyramid's still around? Why didn't anyone tell me? Roughing It in Style. A much better place for your furnishing needs than the Great Pyramid of Giza. We have a great interview today with um, Donna Peak, who's the editor-in-chief of Cabin Living Blog and Timber Home Living magazine, cabinlife.com. Um, and she talks a lot about kind of trends in cabins and some other great things, so... Yeah, it's a phenomenal interview. She she really dives deep. We were talking about this after the interview that she does an amazing job of kind of going over what her responsibilities are a little bit, but really just talking about her lifestyle, where her passion comes through, life stories that she shares, and what the different demographics and people that love cabins. And we talk about that, you know, quite a bit on, on the cabin cast, but she really has some amazing insight into a little bit of psychology, the people that love cabin living and also why it's kind of expanded a little bit and why there's a little bit of a a rebirth, but more of a rediscovery in what people are enjoying about, you know, getaway culture and also having a place of their own out in the woods a little bit. Yeah, it was such a great conversation, and I'm really excited for our listeners to hear it. And if they aren't familiar with these online and print publications, and they have live events, too, that if they're in their area or they want to travel, they can go to. I'm, I'm really excited to let people know about these yeah, resources. Ca- cabinlife.com, and if you follow along with us, you'll know we our little podcast was featured in Cabin Life. It was a huge thing for us. We were so excited. So we'll repost that that article um, they had an article titled, This Podcast is a Must Listen for Cabin Lovers. So that was so fun to be featured, especially in a periodical, an online periodical that I have a ton of respect for. Um, we, Roughing It, we used to advertise when they had a print magazine in Cabin Life when we did a little more of our online sales, um, and we've gotten away from that a bit. But it is such an amazing website if you are doing your research, if you want to find a cabin, if you own a getaway and you just want to take care of it better and find more resources and ideas and expert advice. I mean, all the things you need to take care of your place is really, really focused and featured on their website. And as Kristen mentioned it, they have some other ancillary things. They have events that they have. It's uh, they have the log and timber home show that is kind of opening back up here as, as fall rolls around and we, Hopefully keep heading out of the pandemic in uh, they have a, a bunch of events there. It looks like so far they have Denver, Saratoga Springs, New York, Asheville, North Carolina, Chantilly, Virginia, which Donna mentions, and a bunch of other events and locations that they're going to be doing across the country. So we'll, we'll link to that as well in the show notes. So if you're looking for an event, um, we talk, she talks a little bit about what events like that are like. And one of the things that I love best about these kind of events if you're looking for a really good builder and you want to get a feel for what their team members are like, what the experience talking to them is like, and 
kind of what their creativity is. These are great events because the best, I mean, you can go to food shows and you can go to home shows and you can see, you know, landscapers setting up cobblestones and uh, the grill guy setting up the grill. But what really is impressive when you go to these timber and log home shows is when they set up these structures or mini structures, or, I mean, if you want to see what the company is going to be like, to look at, look at how they design their booth. I mean, that, that's big. It, the companies that make the coolest, best homes always have the best looking booths. I mean, they put up, they put thought into them. It's creative. There's a timber structure. Or even if they don't build the huge timber structure, the way they showcase their homes and the architecture that they, they feature and focus with, um, talk to them about that stuff. Talk, you know, walk around, look at each home, have them describe what the process was like, how the, you know, who's designing them, how they get homes that are that creative. We talked too with Donna about you know, just scrapbooking and pulling together all your ideas and, and how that works. So it, it is a wonderful conversation. Yep. I'm excited to share it with everyone. So without further ado, here's our interview with Donna Peak, editor-in-chief of loghome.com, timberhomeliving.com, cabinlife.com, and log and timber home living magazine. We are excited to welcome Donna Peak, who is a writer and editor-in-chief of Log Home Living, which is part of Active Interest Media. She is dedicated to connecting with log home owners, dreamers, builders, manufacturers, designers, and anyone who loves the log cabin life. So it's probably no surprise to our listeners why we thought Donna would be an amazing guest on the Cabin Cast. Welcome, Donna. We're excited to have you. Thank you for having me, Kristen. I'm excited to be here. That's awesome. Well, I, one of the first questions I have now I've been, and I know Eric too, um, log home living magazine readers forever. Um, and being editor in chief, what does that, what does that exactly mean? What all do you do? <laughs> what? Oh, the question is what don't I do? Um, yeah. just, just one point of clarification. So log home living about 18 months ago actually combined forces with our sister publication, Timber Home Living. Um, actually, once upon a time, Timber Home Living was a subset of Log Home Living. It was an insert that we did um, quarterly. And at a certain point in its lifespan, we thought it was a good idea to break it out and make it its own magazine. And then, oh, this was, oh gosh, probably like 15, 17 years ago. <laughs> and it enjoyed a nice long run on its own. But then um, over the past, you know, six, seven years, there's sort of been a contraction of the industry where a lot of log home providers also provide timber frames, vice versa. And so where the industry sort of had divided at one point, it sort of come full circle and come back together. So about 18 months ago, we decided that it would be a good idea to do the same with the magazine. So just, just to make sure everybody knows, um, now the magazine is actually called Login Timber Home Living. Yeah, and you guys did do a great, uh, great rollout of the changes to that. That was great. Oh, good. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, 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 it was a big jump for us because, I mean, log homes and timber homes are not exactly the same thing. They're kind of two sides of one coin. But the thing that um, they really do share in common is just the beauty of the exposed wood. They just kind of approach it in different ways where, you know, log cabins are not always, but, you know, historically a little bit more rustic, a little bit more, you know, grounded in the wilderness. You know, timber homes kind of skew a little bit more on the elegant side. Um, but both of them just embrace the beauty of wood and exposing as much wood and natural elements as possible. So 
um, it's been good. You know, I think it, it's been good to bring the two together and let people know what the similarities and differences are. And it's also really gone a long way to help diversify the magazine where, you know, we kind of get to show a little bit of everything. And so I think it makes for a more exciting book. And naturally, we're big fans of the cabinlife.com and the cabin life oh, yeah. kind of <laughs> lifestyle. So what? how does that fit in and, and dovetail in with the, the log and timber home magazine? Well, cab- the beauty of cabins is they're really anything. You know, it's um, cabins mean something different to everyone. And, you know, for a lot of people, it means a log cabin. And it's a tiny little cabin in the woods. It's a little getaway. You'd be surprised how many people out there consider a 3,000-square-foot second home a log cabin. <laughs> uh-huh. there's, a, there's a lot more than you would think. I mean, most people don't think of a 3,000-square-foot as like your, your vacation retreat. But um, there are people out there that do. And, uh, you know, we try to give a little bit of starshine to everybody. So, you know, with, um, with CabinLife.com, it's, it's more than just the house. I mean... With, with, with log home living, timber home living, and now, you know, bringing the two of them together, the house really is the focal point. The beauty of cabinlife.com is that it's the lifestyle. I mean, we, we talk about lifestyle with log and timber home living also, but with cabin life, it's just all about the cabin and getting away and entertaining your friends and your family, going boating, going fishing, you know, all those things that, that kind of go into the lifestyle of it. And that's really what we try to embrace there. Yeah, it's it's such a great fit for we love sharing it with um our listeners because there is oh, good. so such a great resource for everybody. Thank you. Yeah, there's Thank articles you. about everything. So Yeah. <laughs> yes there are. So have you been passionate about the cabin lifestyle forever or when when did you become passionate about cabins? Well, um growing up I was always interested in architecture. Uh, never with the mind, I never pulled myself into thinking I was good at math. So I never really thought, you know, actually being an architect or anything like that was good for me. You know, I was always a bookworm and always, you know, very much into literature and English and <clears throat> actually majored in it in college and wasn't entirely sure what I was going to do with it. But long before that, I just had this passion. And even as a young child, I can remember being about six or seven and my my mom got this Ethan Allen catalog in the mail, which doesn't have anything to do with cabins, but it's sort of, when I look back at it and people ask me, you know, how did you get into this business? You know, I'll have sometimes, you know, people will approach me and, you know, say, well, how do you become an editor? Like, what's it really entail? And for me, I can actually trace it back to getting this ridiculous Ethan Allen catalog in the mail. And I literally saved that thing under my bed for probably about a decade. And it wasn't because I wanted the furniture. I was fascinated with looking at the rooms and the way things were styled and the way things were put together and, you know, how the the different motifs kind of came together. And I just hung on to it forever. Also growing up, this is sort of where the cabin side comes in. My family had a cabin. You know, we had this really teeny tiny little stack more or less, it was. Uh, I'm actually from Western Pennsylvania, just outside of Pittsburgh. And north of Pittsburgh, there's this tiny little town called Emlinton, PA. And there's nothing there. It's like a it's a railroad stop. You know, it's just like the trains come bustling through, and it's like a one horse town kind of thing. But it's the cutest thing you ever saw. Aww. And we had this tiny cabin on the river. And I have the some of the best memories I've ever had as a child revolve around that cabin. And it's weird the things that sort of stick with me, like 
one of my great uncles um, had this dog named Jiminy. And I don't even remember what he was. He was a mutt, but he was like a mid-sized dog. So he was pretty hefty. And you know, <laughs> he always had these, he always had these long nails. And the cabin had a linoleum floor, which was super easy to clean and great, you know, for the, for, it was right on the river. So we had river silt and we fished and we hiked the woods. And my dad was a hunter, so he'd go off hunting and um, just, you know, it's great for cleanup. But I can vividly remember the sound of Jiminy's little claws, like walking along the floor and the way the, the screen door would slam when somebody would come in the house. And weirdly, it was near an oil refinery. And so there was always sort of this smell of refined oil in the air. And it's one of the best smells. It's like every time I smell something like that, it immediately takes me back to the cabin. And I think that's the the beauty of things like that. You know, there's these sensory experiences that a cabin provides that you just don't get anywhere else. You know, and you just, you, you see something or you smell something or, you know, you hear something and you're just taken there. And that's, that's what I love about it. Well, I can uh, hear the writer in you come out because we're just sitting right there in that cabin with your uncle's dog, uh, you know, scratching across the linoleum. It's just awesome to hear. Yeah. Sorry. No, I love it. This is is what it's all about. Yeah. Talk a little bit about one of the things that's really interesting, and we were reading some of the media that you sent us, and just talk about demographics because it feels like to me that – there's a little bit of a reawakening of the getaway culture and whether it has to do with, you know, COVID and people wanting a little more space around them. But also I think it has more to do with the appreciation that people have of mother nature getting away with friends and family and being together. But apart from maybe the crowd where, you know, apart where there's like a rich city culture. So are you guys seeing that from your end? Are you seeing this kind of reawakening? 100%. What, what I see really has happened is, that desire, it, it's not a reawakening of the desire, but COVID has put an urgency to it where people think, God, why am I waiting for tomorrow? You know, and um, yeah, they definitely want a little bit more elbow room. I mean, you look at any of these, you know, news articles that come out about people fleeing from cities and people are leaving California in droves for Idaho and Utah and whatnot. And um for a variety of reasons, you know, fires and everything else that go on there too, unfortunately, you know, are driving people away. But, you know, I think there's definitely, well, we, I think there's definitely an urge to go back to nature, but that's really not new. You know, at least, I mean, I've been in this business now for 21 years, which is kind of terrifying to think about. (laughs) But when I came to Long Home Living back in 2000, I didn't know anything about cab- like log cabin life. I mean, like I had a cabin, like I said, growing up, but it wasn't a log cabin. It was actually a little um, clapboard, you know, two-bedroom, great room, you know, thing. It was like 800 square feet. It was this tiny little shack. And, but it was wonderful. And so then, you know, as I started learning about log homes and, you know, and the culture that surrounds them, and there's definitely a culture that surrounds log homes for sure. And how that expands now into cabins of all sorts. You know, it's like, I think when people think cabin, they automatically think log cabin, but it doesn't have to be that. And now, you know, it's like people have just been craving authenticity. You know, there's so much artificial of everything in our society, whether, you know, it's, you know, social media and things you see on there and you don't know if you can believe that or even normal news. You don't know, you know, what to believe so much anymore. So 
there's just this desire to reconnect with something authentic and cabins do that for people. And so now you put COVID on top of that and it's just people think, you know, there's no time like the present because you just don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. That's such a great point about authenticity because when you look and, you know, say you're on Instagram scrolling and you hit a picture of just a gorgeous cabin, whether it's in a nature setting or the interior of a cabin or, I mean, your guys' photography on cabin life is amazing, that you know there's some realism to that. I mean, even if you slide a filter over that, you're still getting the the core and the, the authentic feel of what it's going to be like at that cabin where, you know, you look at some of these social media influencers living these perfect lives. I, there's yeah. there's something about cabins where there isn't a perfection there. I mean, you look at a campfire and it's amazing, but you know there's going to be some mosquitoes and you know, you know the smoke's <laughs> yeah. gonna, the smoke's going to blow in your face. Smoke's going to in your eyes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's not those aren't the things that scare you away. Those are the things that make it such a a wonderful experience and and yeah. kind of so magical and those are the, like you said the the smell of oil in the air, the things <laughs> that make living at a cabin or, or going to a getaway special are that's a perfect word, authenticity. Yeah, and we hear that from you know most of the people we interview and talk to and our followers that send us messages, and I'm sure that you are hearing all the same things, that it's the same themes that keep coming back, you know, that everybody yeah. there's, appreciates. There, there's this, you know, like I said, there's just so much posturing. There, there, there's none of that at the cabin. You know, you get away and everybody lets their guard down and you're just there to relax and have a good time reconnect with family or friends or you know whatever for as an example we um well i'm not going much of anywhere during covid i gotta say it's like i've steered clear of hotels i i have phobias that we won't even talk about but (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) like i'm not even going there yeah but um we have family friends who have a cabin down in lake anna virginia which is about an hour and a half away from here and i have a, a daughter who's about to be a junior in high school And so we're starting to look at some colleges and there was a nearby college that we wanted to check out. And so we called up our family friends and said, Hey, we want to go down here. We want to check this out. And, um, would you mind if we stayed at the cabin? And they were like, yeah, absolutely not. You know, that's the thing about cabin people. It's like, you want to take our cabin? Sure. You know, take our cabin. It's fine. And so we have another couple who have a son who is the same age and he wanted to look at the same school. So we all went down together and it had been a very long time since, the two, our two families had gone on a little trip like this. And one thing we did on um, Saturday night, we just had family game night and we just played game after game, after game, after game. And our friends, Tom and Corey, you know, the parents said to us afterward, they said, you know, we, we don't remember the last time that we had game night with our boys. Cause they have another son as well, a younger son, including the one that's going to college. And they're like, we don't remember the last time, you know, we had family game night. That was really fun. You know, the TV didn't go on one time, not one time the entire weekend we were there. It was just, we were down at the lake, we were walking around, we were hiking, we were, you know, whatever. So, you know, that's, you you just can't get that anywhere. You know, that's, that's the magic of it. That's why we have, I have goosebumps right now, Donna, because that's why we live in a cabin now, because 10 years ago, friends who had kids older than ours kept going to their cabin and we were like, what is the deal? And they said the best (laughs) thing you could ever do for your family because you get there and you have family time that you can never get somewhere else. And we believed it in your normal house. Right. It's like, there's, it's too familiar. You all retreat off into your little corners or whatever. And, 
you know, you're in this, you know, cabin environment and it's just different. Yep. It's different. So speaking of time at the cabin too, in your, the newest August issue of Log and Timber Home Living, there's a lot of articles that have to do with kind of this next phase of life, like retirement, um, multi-generational, you know, families living together with, you know, different ages. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing with cabins, people with cabins and how their building is changing or how they're changing their cabin up for this? Yeah. Um, there's a couple of different trends emerging. Um, there's a lot more multi-gen families emerging that, you know, we're, we're not used to seeing in America. You know, in some cultures, it's very common where grandparents live with the family or, you know, you have two and sometimes three generations living under one roof, you know, that, that's just part of their cultural norm. And in the United States, not it's not really, it hasn't been as much so, but it, it is starting to come out. Part of it's financial, you know, I mean, it's, things are expensive and, you know, as your parents get older, um, you know, I have a mom who's in a nursing home. She's not that old, but she's kind of infirm. So she's in a nursing home because my dad could no longer care for her. And so you, you, you just have, you know, this, this different kind of way of looking at things in America that, you know, they don't have elsewhere. But there's, there's this shift afoot where people want that togetherness. You know, they, they want to kind of bring the family back in. And so we're seeing more interest in multi-gen, you know, housing. And so what we are trying to do, especially with this issue, is give people advice as to how do you accomplish that? Because it is a challenge. I mean, let's face it, you know, it's like, especially if you're, you know, a couple and you've got two kids that are, you know, getting ready to leave the roost or, you know, maybe you're a new empty nester and you kind of feel like your life trajectory is going in one way. And then suddenly you find that you're going to be taking in you know, a parent or something like that, you know, it's definitely a life shift. And it's important for us to make sure that people understand how do you design and plan your home or maybe even retrofit your home so that everybody feels comfortable and welcome and together, but you also have your own space to retreat to too when you need to. So um, that's the key. I think the harmony is, you know, just not stepping all over each other and being, you know, having dinner together if you want, you know, maybe giving, you know, elderly mom or dad their own little kitchenette where they can be on their own if they really don't want to spend any time with you. They're kind of done with you for the day. <laughs> they just yeah. want to go off and do their own thing. One trend that we're sort of seeing in that direction, which is popping up more and more from the architects and the long and timber home manufacturers that I talk to are the idea of, um, well, they, the technical word for them is accessory dwelling unit or ADU. Okay. which can extend to anything from a guest cottage on your property to an apartment over your garage. You know, it, it sort of takes in that breadth of, it's not exactly part of the house, but it's in adjacent to the house or it's on the property of the house. Right. And so you have that closeness, but you also have that measure of independence that, you know, a lot of people want and need. So that's kind of a big one. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes on around that. You have to make sure that your property is large enough to support a second structure. You know, if you're going to have a full-on building, um, you have to make sure that your build, local building codes are, you know, permissible, you know, if it's something like that. So there are a few hoops to kind of jump through, but for a lot of people, it's totally worth it because even though you incur the cost of creating this home within the home, so to speak, 
it's a whole lot cheaper than nursing homes and stuff like that. I can so tell you. True. So, you know, in the long run, you, you get that family time and you get the ultimate cost savings. And, um, you know, you just, it's just a better situation for all. Everybody just feels like a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. Cause you're talking about boundaries in a, a really nice way. Cause when you go on a getaway, and you're there with your family. It's about being together, giving people space to maybe go read a book, but you really want to be together for meals and at the lake and on the boat and on the water. But when you're living together in a multi-generational situation, yeah, you really do have to develop some some fair and, and re- yeah. re- reasonable family boundaries. For sure. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not going to work, you know. So, so that's what we try to do. I mean, we, we get interesting feedback from our readers. Um, one comment that always we get a, actually a lot that it always kind of cracks me up when I hear it is somebody will look at something. I mean, I, I will be the first to admit the houses that we show in the magazine are beautiful. You know, I mean, but the people have to keep in mind they're they're photographed in such a way that they look beautiful. They're taken from the right angle, or you know, they're styled in a certain way in order to make them look good in a magazine. And but they're, they're people's houses. People live in them every single day. And so I'll get these comments where people will ask me or, or say to me, you know, well, the houses you show are, are out of reach. I could never afford that. Or I could, I could never picture myself living in that size of a house or that style of a house. <clears throat> and my rebuttal to that is always, well, I appreciate that. And, and I get it. I look at a lot of these houses and I can't afford to live in some of them either. You know, it's, you know, it's no joke that, you know, some of these houses are going to be expensive. But what I encourage people to do is don't look at the house as a whole. Like you're going to pick the house out of the magazine, put it on a lot and move it. What we like to do is show people what's possible, especially when it comes to log homes. Because for a very long time, early on in my log home career, I fought against the stigma that, you know, log homes are just, you know, cabins in the woods and they're not special. You know, it's just that they're just, you know, there there was a stigma about them that, you know, they weren't really anything to write home about and nothing could be further from the truth. And so over time, as design concepts kind of caught up with the medium of logs, you know, which really is just a building material, it's not a style, it's just a building material that the, the, the high design or the good design and the, the medium would come together and produce these amazing homes. So what I would tell people to do is don't don't think about it as a house in, in total. Look at elements of the house. And what do you like about it? What don't you like about it? Um, what would you like to see in your house? And then take those ideas, put them together, and create a house of your own. Because ultimately, every one of these houses is a custom home. Even if you build one from a floor plan that you get from a log home manufacturer. Every single one of these has to be customized. So they're all custom. So take these ideas and look at them as, you know, as inspiration and as education as to helping you shape what your vision is and then go to town, you know, and create what you can create, what you want to see within the budget you can afford. And that's our job is to just basically show you what's possible. That's such great advice because it's funny. That's exactly how I read the magazines. You know, I am. I'm looking at the kitchen cabinet and the refrigerator. Like I'm looking at the pieces of it and how you put it all together. It's almost like you're, you know, I remember pre-Pinterest when I had all these notebooks that I kept 
yeah. things torn out of magazines in. I actually still have all the notebooks. I cannot get rid of them. They're just too precious to me. <laughs> so you're as bad as I am. Oh. It's my Ethan Allen catalog. Exactly. Yeah. But that is such good advice for people, you know, that are dreaming about building a cabin or retrofitting it to make it work for their parents to move in, um, you know, to look at these gorgeous homes and look at just the elements in them too. That's just great advice. If you take, if you take these kind of things to, you know, an architect or depending on what stage you're in, if you're just looking to remodel what you already have, or if you're looking to start from scratch and build something from new, if you, every architect or every designer that works with one of these companies is going to tell you the same thing. It's like show, don't tell, you know, it is so much more clear if you bring them photos or Pinterest clippings or whatever it is that is, is the source of your inspiration. And you're like, this is what I like. This is what I absolutely do not like. I do not want anything that looks like this in my house. I want this over here. And then they totally have a clear vision. They share your clear vision is really what they do. And then you wind up being happy. I mean, nothing is more frustrating on both sides to go back and forth with a designer and the designer's just not getting it. And the design, any designer will get it so much better if you just take sources of inspiration and show them exactly what it is you're looking for. Yeah. And for some of our younger listeners, that's probably a lost art of like actually clipping things from magazines. It's like, <laughs> oh, I still do it all yeah. the time. I do it all the yeah. time. It's yeah. like if you see someone clipping from a magazine, they're either building a new home or they're about to kidnap someone and put a ransom note together right? and they're sniffing yeah. things out. Or, yeah. or they're old like me and they'd yeah. rather look at a hard copy than look at something Same. on the computer. Same. <laughs> I actually read my magazines twice because the first time I dog ear favorite things. And then I go through them again, like a couple months later, and then tear out my favorite stuff when I decide if I'm going to recycle the magazine or not. So I actually do them twice. So you're, you're so good because I just have piles of magazines everywhere. It drives my husband crazy. <laughs> you're like, it's my job, honey, right? Like, I know. Yeah. That used to be a thing, too, where you go to like a dentist waiting room or a haircut place yeah. and you'd open up, oh, I haven't read this article yet. And half the magazine would have all the articles ripped out of it because the people before like didn't finish. They got called up to the, the haircut chair and they're like, well, I'm going to finish this article at home. Out. And they just tear it out. And You're stick like, Kristen was here. <laughs> yeah, Kristen was here. Oh, oh my God. I, I totally just did that at the chiropractor. <laughs> You're caught. We caught you. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, my gosh. Well, tell us about your live events that you guys do. Are you involved in the live live events? events. Live events. I miss live events. (laughs) I know. Yeah, we're great Um, when we have them. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) They they are coming back for the fall. The plan is is that we will start having our live events again in the fall. Of course, with COVID, we haven't had a live event since spring of last year. So our entire fall season last year was shut down as was our spring season. We tried to do um, some virtual events to some success, but in the field that we're in, it's just, everything's tactile. You know, you really, when you get to a live event, you just kind of want to see and touch and feel everything. And you just can't really do that online. But good news is live events are coming back in the fall. The first one is in Colorado in uh, Denver, and I'm a really bad employee because I totally can't remember the date. But I'm going to look it up. <laughs> oh, we were just we were just looking. I think Eric might have it here. But oh, does he have it handy? Let me pull it up. I think here. it's in September, October eighth through the tenth of go. October tenth. Okay, good. Yeah. Yep. 
so so that will be our first live event in a over a year. And um, when you go to these things, you can get a real feel for stuff. You know, our our log and timber home exhibitors come with wood, you know, like partial structures sometimes and wood corners and you can touch and feel and, you know, really get a sense for what their product is all about. And there's always knowledgeable people there that, you know, are able to talk in, in depth, you know, and review plans with people. If you have four plans or you have an idea of what you want, they'll go over it with you and explain how their individual system and, and way of approaching the building will actually happen. We have furniture manufacturers. We have, oh gosh, what else do we have? Sometimes we have local people, you know, if there's like like a local vendor, local, you know, furniture supplier or something like that, you know, they'll exhibit at certain shows and not others. Some people travel the country with us and, you know, go to every show that we do. So um, there's all kinds of fun stuff to do. There's educational seminars that are free. Um, there's also something called the Log and Timber Home University, which is, it's a separate fee. <clears throat> and I think it's around $9,900 uh, for a couple to go. But it's a pretty intensive course where you spend four or five hours with a certified log home builder, timber home builder. Um, we have this great guy out of Tennessee that works with us a lot named Dan Mitchell, who is a lot of fun. He makes these seminars really fun. And he answers everybody's questions and talks to them about their individual products or uh, projects, rather. And, you know, he um, he just goes through the process from soup to nuts. You know, he just talks about the planning stage, the building stage, the designing stage, things that you're going to encounter. You know, building is not an exact science. You know, it is and it isn't. You know, there's always some sort of condition, you know, whether it's a weather condition, a site condition, something like that that happens on site. He puts everybody's mind at ease as to how to deal with this. It's not uncommon. Don't freak out. You know, there's a solution to every problem. So he'll go through all that kind of stuff with people and really kind of educate them as to, you know, how what to expect throughout the whole thing. And usually, a lot of times I'll be there, you know, so people can stop by our magazine booth and meet and talk to me and show me their projects. I get a lot of people that will come with photos and say, hey, look at my log home I built. And it was because, you know, your magazine inspired me for the past five years, which that's the best part of my job. Yeah. You know, it's like when I get to hear, you know, that we what we told you actually turned into a real house. That's the, that's the greatest feeling in the world. That is awesome. How often do you travel for the magazine? To, to Well, in the, in the past, um, I've gone to, let's say every single show because I have a lot of deadlines. So sometimes the deadlines uh, conflict with the shows, but I usually go to at least one or two every show season. And usually we have about four or five. I always go, we have a show here in Chantilly, Virginia, and I'm right down the road from it. So I'm always in Chantilly. And then I've, I've gone to Denver a lot. Um, I've gone to Atlanta, you know, go to Pennsylvania, New York, Connecticut, you know, wherever, wherever they want me to go, wherever they feel like, you know, I'll bring something to the show. I, I typically go now with, with COVID it's been a challenge. You know, we just try to, the crew, you know, to as minimal as possible for everyone's safety, but hoping to get back out there again soon. I hope so too. So yeah, what does go all into your job as editor-in-chief? I know you do some writing still. You do some articles. I do. I do write, um, which is always fun. And I edit everything that comes through. And I'll be honest, you know, our team is tiny. Um, I have a a managing editor named Susanna Logan, who is um, actually a contractor for me. She's not a full-time employee, but she's a really great writer and a great sounding board. So I work with her. 
our associate editor is a gentleman named Griffin Suber, who has been the luckiest guy in COVID. He sent, um, a, he, his uh, girlfriend got transferred to Singapore for her job. And so he actually moved to Singapore and worked for me from Singapore for a year, came back to the States and suddenly found he wasn't able to go back to Singapore, long story. But so they decided, well, where would we want to go? So now they're in Greece. So Griffin makes me jealous. Um, right. <laughs> you can but, live uh, through him this year. <laughs> I know. I know. He sends me pictures all the time and I'm like, well, I'm trapped in my house in Virginia working on deadlines. You're gallivanting around Greece. <laughs> but, um, but it, it, he's a great guy and he's just, um, he does a great job. So it's yeah, it's kind of the three of us and our, our digital producer, Catherine Owen, um, she handles all the things that appear on the on the website, um, either loghome.com, timberhomeliving.com, or cabinlife.com. So she handles all of the, the content that, you know, goes into there. And that's it. You know, so on an average day, I can do anything from, you know, oh gosh, uh, assigning articles, coming up with story ideas. I'm currently working on the media kit for 2022 while I simultaneously get out one of our special issues that we do. Actually, it's an issue that we give out at the shows where we, we kind of give uh, a course outline for you know the process of, of building a longer timber home. Talk to freelancers, talk to homeowners. I wear a lot of hats. I wear a lot of hats, but keeps it interesting. Keeps me honest. Well, I have to just compliment you because, uh, well, we worked with Catherine too. I've worked with her on social media things. And for such a small staff, I would have had no idea you had such a small staff because you're all so personable and your magazine feels so personal to read. And oh, um, it's, thank you. I would never have known that you could be that connected, you know, and, and like you said, wear that many hats. Um, so yeah. I just appreciate oh, I mean, what you're I, doing. I'll say a lot of, a lot of people that wear the editor in chief badge are more figurehead than what I am. You know, I, right. I'm very much in the weeds day to day with everything that's going on. And, you know, there, I won't lie, there are times where I'm like, oh, God, please send me more help, you know, because there are definite periods where things overlap. You know, on any given moment, I'm working on about three or four issues. I'm either planning the next one, assigning freelance articles to people, lining up interviews, editing stories, paying invoices to make sure our freelancers get paid, you know. So I'm always in, I'm never in present tense. You know, yeah. I'm right now working on the September issue, which is our Log Home Annual Buyer's Guide. Um, I'm just starting to work on that. So here we are in July, and I'm already working on September, and I'm planning October-November's issue, and I'm trying to think about what's going to go on in 2022 and what kind of topics <laughs> people are going to want to see. So I'm, I'm never I'm never present. I'm always in the future. <laughs> and it's almost like you're a small business owner that's actually touching the world, you know? It's kind of, <laughs> yeah. kind of. I mean, yeah. I'm very lucky that our publisher, um, Pete Miller, is is really great at letting people do their thing. You know, he's like, I hired you for a reason. You're good at what you do. Now just go do it. And he's not the kind of guy that's going to get all up in your business and trying to manipulate everything that you do. It's like he just lets you run with it. And and it's, it's a great feeling to feel like you have that kind of autonomy and, and that your boss has that kind of confidence in you. Yeah, that is great. So as we kind of wrap up this wonderful interview, and this is one of the things we ask every everyone that we talk to, 
Could you describe your perfect day at the cabin from when you wake up until you go to sleep at night? What is a day when you, whether you're looking back in your memories or, or something that you do now that you kind of picture as your perfect cabin day? Oh, well, looking back, I mean, since I'll be honest, I mean, I'm in the market, like my husband and I talk about trying to get a cabin or something at some point in the future because we're a little bit away from retirement and starting to think about what that's going to look like. But looking back at my childhood, I know I kind of already talked about this, but, you know, one of the things that I loved just picturing my cabin, it was this tiny little, it was it kind of had a great room before great rooms were cool. It's like the, the kitchen was the dining room. It had an eat-in table. It didn't have an island or anything fancy. And it just kind of bled into the area where there was a couch and TV. I don't really know. And a piano. We had an upright <laughs> hunter orange piano. <gasps> Wow. In our cabin because my uncle, who had the dog, loved to play gospel songs. And he was a pretty amazing pianist, actually. And every night he would belt out these, you know, gospel songs. But in the morning, oh, I, the other thing I forgot to mention was that there were two bedrooms. Each one had the capability to sleep about six to eight. There were bunk <laughs> beds. There were like, you know, just all these beds shoved in these two rooms. And it had, a very tiny bathroom. They didn't even have a shower. We used to squeeze the bathe in the river. <laughs> we didn't even have, have a bottom of shower. We had a sink and a toilet, but yeah. you know, we didn't have a shower. But I can remember as a, as a kid being there with the family when a whole bunch of people were there. They're all fishermen. We had a boathouse and probably had about like five boats of varying, you know, like just river trollers and fishing boats and stuff like that. And so, of course, you know, being fishermen, the everybody would get up really early because the fish bite early. So I can remember waking up to the smell of coffee in a percolator and bacon being fried so that everybody fueled up for a day to go out on the river. And you just sort of wake up to this, this aroma of like coffee and bacon and people chattering around the kitchen table and kind of getting their day going. And just the whole, the whole feel of it, you know, and then everybody kind of went about their business. You went off on your boat, your cousins went off on their boat and y'all met back up to see, well, how did you do? Did you catch anything? We had a little station where you could clean the fish and stuff. And I actually used to fish as a kid. I used to love it, even though it broke my heart. Every time I caught something, I would cry. (laughs) (laughs) I like the process, but I kind of hope I never really actually came up with it. Yeah. Was like, oh, the fish is dying. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, everybody would come back and they fry up the day's catch at the end of the day. And then my Uncle Bill would get on this orange piano and just start singing and playing the piano. And then we'd all go to bed. So that, that is was, awesome. Those were, good, those were good days. Those were good days. That is awesome. I love it. That I'm going to look forever now for an orange piano. Yeah, I've never. That's an well, amazing visual. I don't think it's off orange. I think they painted it orange. <laughs> <laughs> that is so great. Well, I think we could talk to you forever, Donna. This has been a great conversation, and I, I appreciate your time. I know our listeners are oh, going to be so, so excited. Can you let everybody know the best places to um, learn more from you, like cabinlife.com, and where else they can get in touch with you and follow yep, along? Yeah, so cabinlife.com. There's uh, loghome.com, timberhomeliving.com. Even though the magazines are together, the websites are still separate. So if you're really only interested in one kind or another, you can go to either one of those two online resources and get nothing but that kind of content. Um, people can email me. My email address is dpeak, D-P-E-A-K, at um, aimmedia.com. That's A-I-M-M-E-D-I-A.com. 
you have any photos of houses you want to share or memories you want to share, we always love putting those kind of things either on our social media platforms or on Facebook, Twitter. And now you have to do is just search for us and we're pretty easily found. So we're on all the major social media stuff. Yeah. So just, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear from any of your listeners and, you know, have them share their memories with us and, you know, tell us what they would like to see because really this, this is their magazines. You know, we, we just put the information out there, but what we really want to know is what, what do you want to know? So you tell us what you want to know and, and we'll dig in and figure it out. That's awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Cabin Cast. You can find details and more information in the show notes on our website at www.thecabincast.com. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you won't miss a single episode. Follow us on your favorite social media channels. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Cabin Cast. We'd also love to hear from you. We want to hear your getaway and cabin stories. For a chance to have your story featured on an upcoming episode, email us at getawayatthecabincast.com. Until next week, enjoy the journey.